we're going to continue in our series here. Now, last week we took a break for Father's Day, as many of you. We're going to continue in our series here. Now, last week we took a break for Father's Day, as many of you were out for the park for our Dad's Day extravaganza, which was awesome. I thought. Um, but we're going to go back and, and we're going to, you know, God willing here, this is my plan. I'm going to talk to um, Corey speaking in a few weeks and we'll talk about what he's going to share. But I am think I'm going to try to wrap this up here. First John, we've been in it for quite a while and it's, it's, it's been a real blessing. The whole series we've been talking about life in Christ. Life in Christ and what that looks like. And, and this, the reason that we've kind of been there so long is because we spend our whole lives here as believers in Jesus. I mean, we, we, we've had these encounters with the living God. We've, we've gone and we've heard messages or we've, we've seen things or we've known things or we've read the word or we've prayed and God's revealed himself to our heart. And, and so we get really excited about Jesus and we start to follow him. And that's really cool. And, and, but the truth is that that following after Jesus begins at that first inkling. We talked about last week where Jesus came up to the disciples and he said, follow me. And these men were unbelieving men. They may have had some fear of God. They were probably Jewish, but they, they did not know the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And so the discipleship began with that simple invitation to come follow Jesus. And then it, it fulfills itself in this life in Christ this life in the anointed one, this life in the very Son of God. And so we've been spending a few weeks talking about that and what that looks like. And First uh, John is just filled with that, actually, what, what this life in Christ looks like for you and for me, a very practical uh, application in our lives. And so uh, I'm, we're going to continue in that thought today. But today we're going to talk about this idea of overcoming the world. You know, this is the fifth chapter of the book of 1 John. And, and we've kind of gone through and picked out these things. These, if you go back through, you read just the, the, the titles, what we talked about. It, it starts to create this narrative of our lives, what it should look like. But at the end here of the, of the, the letter... 1 John, not the gospel, but the letter of 1 John. These are things that if you're a believer, you should see coming, bearing fruit in your life. And as he wraps up his letter to those who are believing in Jesus, he starts to say some things that are profound truths that you and I can hold on to, come what may. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that our faith in Jesus Christ is worthless if we don't cling to it in the worst times of our life. I'm not talking about a crisis faith. I've seen a lot of people with crisis faith where, where they don't believe anything and they have a really bad time and they go, oh, God, help me, you know, and, and God helps them. But you know what the Bible says that the Lord makes it rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, God bails you out, but doesn't mean you're in a relationship with him. And so the truth is that there are some times in our life that, that crisis comes, but what we want as believers in Jesus is to be in such relationship with him to have so much confidence in God and what God is doing and has done and will do for us that we overcome the world. That we just overcome it. You know? That there's nothing in the world that can stand as a threat to you. We sang some songs today about this, didn't we? There's nothing that stands as a threat to us. The problem is that for you and I in our lives, too often it looks like there is. We're afraid of this. We talked about fear and love. We're afraid of this. We're afraid of that. What's going to happen? We fret and we wring our hands. Listen, God is in charge of things, and if you know him, you can trust him with that, and the word today is going to tell us that we can overcome the whole world, the cosmos, everything in it. 
And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But, you know, here's my question for you, see, because I'm not sure that we're used to winning. Uh, I know Sweetness uh, Tuesday night had kind of a rough go, right? Sweetness this season is not used to winning. We're having a bad year, you know? Sometimes it's hard to imagine what it looks like to be the favorite. And so I was thinking about these things. I was thinking about overcoming the world. And what does it look like to overcome the world? And, 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 and can, you be, can you imagine, because see, I'm not very athletic. Did you guys know that about me? I'm not very athletic. Are you surprised, Greg Carl? Yeah, right. You know, some of those guys have said, if you just swung right, you could head over the fence. <laughs> Pigs fly. That's why I was going to get over there. Just, you know. Listen, I'm not very athletic, but can you imagine being the kind of athlete that whenever you take the, st- whenever you step up to the plate, whenever you get the ball, whenever you get ready to go, nothing can stop you from winning. Nothing can, I can't imagine that. I can't, I just step up there and go, boy, let's see what's going to happen this time, <laughs> you know, because something, you know, shoelace can be untied or something's going to be wrong. Listen, I was, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about kind of some of the epic things we get to experience, and I know this is a little dated. It's surprising how fast time goes, but I want to show you this video, and, and this video I'm going to set up a little bit is a guy named Michael Johnson. Do you guys know who that is, Michael Johnson? Not the basketball player. 1996. Huh? That's right. Olympic uh, runner, right? And, and I remember this because I remember so clearly watching this. And just knowing this dude's going to win. Check it out. I want to show you this video. Martin and Davian Clark, who are just outside of Michael Johnson in lanes five and six, like to go out fast. That means they'll take Michael Johnson with them, take him towards a fast time, take him towards his Olympic victory. To make Olympic history, Michael must first win the 400. How many of you saw that live when it happened? Yeah, me too. I saw that live, and you know, there's that apprehension. Is this, is he going to do it? Is he going to pull it off? You know, there's always that question, get out of the blocks well, or whatever is going to happen. Did you hear what they were saying about him at the beginning? They said he, in his time trials, he hadn't run his best race yet. He was saving something for the finals. 
And he's running. They go, he's not running yet. He's not running yet. I'm thinking, that dude's running pretty darn fast already. And then they go, now he's going. And he just takes off. And he didn't win by a little bit. He just crushed everybody. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I'm used to being the guy in the back of that pack going, I can't go that fast, Michael. You know? I, I can't do that. Now, I don't know if you remember, if you remember any more about... Uh, about that time, I, I remember quite a bit about it. I guess it was an influential time on me. But I, I recall that um, he had these shoes made up for this event. Have you, you remember those? The golden shoes. You remember those? And, and, and it reminded me, you know, you remember when you were a little kid and you'd get new shoes and you could jump higher in your new shoes? You remember that? And they would say, my favorite question they would ask about new shoes, I might have talked to you all about this before, but I want to share it again. They would say, do you want to wear them home? I would be like, yes, because mine would have holes in the bottom, you know, and I would get home and I would start challenging everybody to a race on the block, you know, I'd say, you want a race? I got my new shoes, you know, and we would go and everybody I would race, I'd be like, the shoes are going to do it, man, I'd be a little bit faster, but not enough, and they would pass me up. This dude had some custom shoes made, they were gold. I mean, if this guy didn't win in the golden shoes, it would have been a huge embarrassment. He had the golden shoes and he won. That was amazing. I think it was the shoes. I think it was the shoes. Today I want to talk to you about overcoming the world and what that looks like. And I want you to understand, as followers of Jesus... What you have in the gospel and what you have in your Savior and what you have in the relationship with the God who loves you so much, he will never quit. Never quit. So we're going to get into the word, but before we do, I want to pray that God would open it to our minds and our hearts. So if you would pray with me this morning one more time. Father God, we come now before you and, and just trusting you to reveal yourself through scripture to us. We believe these words are holy and inspired directly from you, Lord, for our benefit. We thank you for the men and women who would sit and write and think about and record these events. That we could have, you know, more than that, we thank you that your Holy Spirit knew that 2,000 years later, this word would still bear fruit for your kingdom. And so we give you this time. We pray you'd open our, our, our closed minds. Pray you would soften our hardened hearts. And pray that you would breathe new life into us. Transform us by your gospel today. We ask these things in the holy name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, you can turn with me. We're going to be talking about 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. If you didn't bring a Bible today, we have them at the end of the seats. I would encourage you to get one out and look at it. And uh, some people have said, well, I do that and I kind of wander off. That's okay. Wander off. God will use that. I want to read the word today together and I want to talk through it a little bit. We just have a little bit to cover this morning. Picking up, and I want to remind you where we talked about last week, this continuum of love and fear, right? And then we're going to pick right up here in verse 5 of what Jesus, or what John is saying about Jesus in this gospel of Jesus. This is what it says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. 
This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. And so we get into the word, and the first thing that we hear today is I want you to hear the, the very first words. Everyone, every person, every single individual, and corporately all of us who believe that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And that's what the word says. It doesn't say everyone who believes in Jesus has a better idea than the next guy. It doesn't say that anyone who believes in Jesus is going to have an easier life or a better life. It says everyone, read it with me, who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, I want to just do a little bit here. We do this a lot because it's the book of 1 John. But when he's talking about Jesus, I want you to see here in the word, it says Jesus is the Christ. We've talked about this a lot, haven't we? He's the Messiah. He's the anointed. He's the Son of God. The word says in other places, it's the only begotten Son of God. John's gospel records what? In the beginning was the word. I mean, he was there in the beginning. That this Jesus that came from Nazareth is, Nazareth is the very Son of God, the, the very Christ born of God, right? And so here's what the word says. And everyone who believes this about Jesus, if you believe it, if you believe that it's not just Jesus is a good idea, not just Jesus is a nice guy, but if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you and I are born of God. And that's a whole new thing. And this life in Christ that John's been talking to us about so much is kind of um, fulfilled, encapsulated in that truth that we are no longer the same, but we are completely changed. We talked a few weeks ago about loving our brothers. You know, this whole book talks about love, love, love. Love one another. Love God. Love each other. That's what the word says repeatedly to us in this book. But I want you to see that that is rooted in this new birth in God, this birth from God that we find in Jesus, right? And now, now, and so the first thing that I want you to know today is that you are born of God if you believe in Jesus the Christ. Now, if you believe that Jesus, you know, was a guy, not necessarily born of God. You, you believe that he might have been? Maybe, not necessarily. You know what I'm saying? If you believe that he is the fulfillment of Scripture, if you believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, you are born again. And I know some of this stuff is problematic. Some of this language, I got some friends that say, don't talk about that born again stuff. I don't like the born again stuff. I don't need to be born again. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you must be born again. He didn't say you might want to be born again. It might be a good idea. He said you have to be born again. As a matter of fact, this reminds me of another passage of scripture. Who can tell me what it is? Anybody got any ideas? Born of God. Where was this conversation had? Does anybody know? It's your favorite late night TV show. We talked about it before. Nick at night. Who knows where that's found in the Bible? Huh? John? John chapter 3? That's right. I'm just going to give you the synopsis. We're not going to turn there. I just want to tell you a little story about a guy named Nicholas, right? He comes 
And uh, he comes to Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, the prophet, the Messiah, the, the one who was, who was anointed by God to save the world and who is now building disciples. And this dude who's a believer, a, a follower of the Jewish law, Nicodemus. I said Nicholas. says Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, which I love because I'm a night owl. Are you a night owl? This is like the ultimate affirmation of night owls. If you want to meet with Jesus, meet at night. I know he went up in the morning to the mountain and he prayed, and I'm working on that part, but I can meet with God at night, you know? And that's what Nicodemus did. Nicodemus came to meet with Jesus at night. He had a question. He had a question. Do you know what his question was? Who, who can tell me what the question that Nicodemus asked Jesus? What must I do to inherit eternal life? That was his question. What do I have to do? This is the gospel of John, the good news of Jesus, recorded by John, chapter 3. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and what does Jesus say to him? You must be born again. You must be born anew. You must be born over. And he meant it so literally, you know, because we can say, well, he didn't mean, you know, Jesus meant fresh start. He meant wipe the chalkboard off. He meant, no, listen. He meant it so literally that, that Nicodemus' next question was, how can I get back inside my mama? Which is a crazy question for a grown man to ask, especially an educated, you know, spiritual leader to say, how do I get back in? You know? No, 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 no. He said, you have to be born of God. That's what Jesus said. To see the kingdom of heaven. To enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. You can read it yourself. It's John chapter 3. As a matter of fact, in the middle of that conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus says the words that you and I all know so well. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Do you know what John 3.17 says? For God sent his son into the world not to condemn. What? But that the world through him might be saved. That's John 3.17. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. He, he, he came to give us a way to return to God, to return glory to God. And this birth in God, this birth through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is picked up here in the letter from John. You must be born of God. And, and I want to point out to you, it says that everyone who, 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 is, uh, who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So they have this, have this thing, right? They have this very thing that they're asking for. That Nicodemus came, this great learned Jewish man, this man who had been following Yahweh and been trying to figure out the religion stuff. When he came to Jesus, he asked him the question. And here, John says it. He says, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you have it. I need you to know that at some fundamental level today. That if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one sent to save you and me and the whole world, you have been born again. I had a great conversation this morning right before services. God ordained it about what should we, you know, what gifts do we have in God? What, what does it look like? I want to tell you the first thing, the truth of the word is, is that you were born of God. That you were born of God. It literally means begotten, uh, you know, like uh, being, being um, birthed, being made, right? Look at what it says here next in the word. We just read it, but I want to go over it again. 
So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And if you and I believe that about Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed, then you and I are born of God. We are not the old creatures. The old's passed away. We are new creatures in Christ. And everyone, listen to what it says, who loves the Father loves the child as well. Now I want to tell you a little, I want to pack that a little bit here. Everyone who loves the Father loves the child as well. And this sounds a lot like some of the stuff we read earlier in the, gospel, in the book of 1 John. But there's a little difference here. Because the way it translates the word father, but it's not Greek father, pater. That's not what that says there. It says, everyone who loves the one who is begetting someone. Does that make sense? Everyone who loves the one who is birthing, listen to me, children of God. Everyone who loves that one, the God, the father who is making children, who is birthing new children, loves the birthed children as well. That's what the word literally says. It says, if you love God who's making them, you got to love the ones that God has made. And this is a big deal because you can read that. I can read it. And at first I can say this, everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. Well, that's about Jesus. You know, if you love God the Father, you got to love Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, you don't love God the Father. Jesus said that same kind of stuff. That's not what the word says here, though. What the, and that, that's true for Jesus as well. The only begotten Son of God. But Jesus is God, y'all. He is God. What this says, in addition to, if you don't love, that's true. If you don't love Jesus, you don't love the Father. And if you don't love the Father, you don't love the Son. And that's the truth. But listen to what it says. If you don't love the one, if you don't love the one who is begotten, who is born of God, you don't love God. And, and I want you to understand this for a minute because this is a big deal for those of us who are born of God. It's a big deal. Because too many of us, we talked about it last week, we'll run around and we'll say, I got it. I'm a new man. I'm starting all over. But too many of us, that means we're going to do our best job to keep ourselves clean this time. <laughs> you know, we're going to not try to get dirty anymore. That's not what it says. You are born of God. And when you're born of God, when you've been given life from the Father in heaven, when he has said to you, this is my son, when he has said to you, this is my daughter. By the way, I want to say when it says children, it's, it's, it's neuter. There's no male or female there. This isn't that you love the father, you love the son. This is if you love the father, you love the, the, the sons and the daughters of God. So you have this truth that once you know God, once you've been born of God, you will have a love for other people who were born of God. And this wipes away a whole bunch of garbage that we don't like to deal with in church. That means that to you and I, when we're talking to someone else who's a believer in Christ, we have to be discerning of this is a one who is born of God. This is one who is made in the image of our creator. But more than that, who God has birthed into this new life in Christ. They're professing Jesus as Messiah. And therefore, we love them too. This gets beyond all those denominational boundaries. It gets beyond all those not my kind of Christians. It gets beyond all that stuff that you're not comfortable with. I know you're not comfortable with it, and I'm not comfortable with it either. And that's okay. But I want to say that if you don't love the children that God is making, you can't love God. It says everyone, this is the same word, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children as well. Loves those who God has made, who God is making as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God. 
by loving God and carrying out his commands. And so in this way, and you know, we know what are the greatest commandments. We talked about this before, right? It's love God and love others. The greatest command in the world. I want to talk to you for a brief minute here about how we can have conversations with anybody about God and about Jesus Christ. Every person is being called and beckoned to return to the God who made them and the God who loves them. And when you and I are talking, we can do a lot of harm by saying, well, that person's a non-believer, you know. That person's uh, whatever you want to label them. The truth is that it's this journey in Christ. And don't ever doubt for a moment that the God who has birthed you, who you are a new creature in, hasn't coordinated that very moment for you as a disciple of Jesus to show some love. Does that make sense? I mean, in that moment where you could easily say, well, you ain't like me, that person could be right on the edge, and they could be looking for some authenticity, they could be looking for someone who really believes they say they believe, they could be looking for someone just to give them a, 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 a smile or a hug, and I know, it, it, but I'm telling you, there are too many times that we thwart the work of God by being close to who he's working with. God don't use people like that. God don't work in people's lives like that. I got news for you. God is calling everyone to repentance. And that's how we came. And so we can live our lives in this place of loving others and of sharing this love that we have in this birth of God through Jesus Christ with others. And we can trust God to work out the details. And this is how we know because we love God and we love his children. So we know that we love the children by loving God and carrying out his commands, right? Love God, love others. And this is love for God. To obey his commands. And then it goes on here. I'm going to pick it up. It goes on and says, and his, uh, and his commands are not burdensome. I want you to hear the next words. Because the first is that if you believe you're born of God, right? There's a little bit of a, a thread here. Listen to what it says. His commands are not burdensome on you and me. Because everyone born of God overcomes the world. Every single person who believes that Jesus is Messiah, is anointed, overcomes the world. And this process is called discipleship. This is the primary work of God in our lives, that in this following after Jesus, everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. I want to read on. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. We're going to unpack that a little bit. And then he asks this question, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? The huyos ho theos, the Son of God. God in flesh. And so this is what we hear. So the first thing we, I want you to know today is that if you believe in Jesus Messiah, you are born of God and life will never be the same for you. And you won't have to explain to people it's different. It's fundamentally different in your life. And I hope that you know that. And I hope maybe that today, if you didn't know it, that you believe it today, that you are born of God in the Messiahship of Jesus Christ. But the second thing I want you to know is that in Jesus, in this confession, you are overcoming the world, right? And, and uh, in this, 
I want you to point out this, these words here. His command is not burdensome. Verse 4, because everyone born of God overcomes the world. See the word overcomes there? It's on the screen too here, right? Overcomes the world. And this is the victory, right, that, is over, that has what? Overcome the world. And who is it that overcomes the world? I want you to know something, and we're going to spend just a second today. And I want to teach you a little Greek. I've taught you this Greek before. But I want you to see it again. Because it's the same word for overcoming is the same word for victory. The first time they use it, it's in a verb. Everyone who, who uh, is born of God overcomes the world. It's a verb there. You're overcoming the world. This victory, that's the same word. Who knows what it is? It's very close to Nick at night. Where's, uh, where's Andrew Burns at? AJ? You gonna help me out today? You gonna, huh? I dropped my notes. Now what are we gonna do? Sermon's over. Can I have your shoes? Yeah. Thanks, dude. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Who knows what it is? Huh? What is it? Look at these nice new kicks. These are new shoes. Andrew got new shoes. I asked him about them. I said, hey, you got some new shoes. He said, yeah, I got new, new shoes. I had to do that to you, Andrew, because I forgot mine. I left mine at home. I got new shoes for softball. They didn't help any, but I got some. They're nice. And I'm going to show you the, the Greek here. The Greek here is Nike. It, it's Nike. You, you know, that's why they did this to the shoes. This is, this is, this means, what does this mean? Yeah, expensive? No. And don't say made in, made in China or something either. That's not nice. Listen, what is this? Whoosh, what does that mean? It means victory. Do you know that? This means victory. Do you know what Michael Johnson had on his shoes? Victory! You know when they were gold with the red stripe and they were going like that and those guys were behind them, they're running Adidas and they're looking at those shoes. Do you know what those shoes meant to them? Victory! He won by like six body lengths. That dude was way out ahead. This is Greek, folks. And it's right here in your word today. It says, everyone born of God overcomes the world. The word is Nike. It starts out Nika, then it goes Nike, and then it goes Nikmos or something, but it's all the same root word. It's victory in Jesus. And I want you to know that today, that what the word says is that everyone born of God overcomes the world. That means you do win. This is the victory, the Nike, that has overcome the world. And you know, I want to point out something here. In NIV, it says, even our faith. But the word actually says, in this victory has overcome the world, is our faith. It's our faith that gives us this guaranteed victory. But you know, it matters what you have faith in in life. It matters what you have faith in. And, and if you think it's going to be your shoes or you think it's going to be something else, listen, what we put on is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, that's what the word says. It says the armor of God. It says you put on the gospel of peace on your feet and you run with the gospel. 
And in this gospel that, that the word has been sharing with us through 1 John repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly is that in our faith and believing in Jesus as the Christ, we've been born of God. And I want to say that in life and wherever you are today, if you've been in the starting block and you've been running a while and you're tired and you feel like everybody else is going to win, but you know Jesus is your Savior, I want you to know something that the victory is guaranteed for you. I mean it. And I don't mean just like you're going to get your ticket punched and go to heaven. I mean, God is going to finish what he started in your life and he's going to bring you across the finish line. And when you get done, you're going to put your arms in the air. Did you see Michael Johnson up there like this? And then you're going to go like this. And then you're going to go, Jesus, you did it. Thank you. We won. Now, I don't know what that looks like to you, but to me, well, that's inspiring. Because the shoes on my feet aren't mine. They're the gospel of Jesus Christ. The final question that the text asks is this. And it cuts up here in two pieces. But this is all one question, and it's a begging a question. It's asking a question. This is the question that John asks in this book. He says, Who is it that overcomes the world if not the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Who is it that's winning the race if it's not for those of us who know Jesus is God's only Son? I want you to remember the context of this conversation. Jesus was crucified. And Jesus died, and he was raised to new life. And John says, who is it that has guaranteed victory in this life if it's not those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God? In all of this gospel talk, and all of this revelation from the word of God in all of your life of praying and following after Jesus, I pray that you know that you will always be running in the gospel of Jesus. And I pray for you and I that as we continue to run and we continue to have those moments where we're just hitting our stride and it feels good and those moments where we stumble around and we run out of our lane or whatever it is, you know, the moments I need for you to know that the moments where you think that this can't possibly end well, there's a God who has made a promise over you and he's fulfilling it in your life. And so today I'm going to invite you. There's, a, there's an old, old gospel song and it's called Victory in Jesus. We ain't going to sing it today. But I love the lyrics because as I heard an old, old story about a Savior came in glory. And, and that's really what the gospel is. It's this 2,000-year-old truth that the Son of God loved you so much he would die to give you victory. And if you don't know that today, I pray that you would receive it. And it ain't about us. I pray that you would believe it. Wherever you are, I pray you would just talk honestly with God about it. And let him continue to work in that way. 
And then for those of us who believe it, I hope that you know you're born of God and you're guaranteed a victory. Not just the, maybe get across eventually, but you're going to finish the race strong. So I'm going to invite Dan and the guys to come back up and to lead us. I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now as they come. And I pray that the Holy Spirit's been working in your heart like he has in mine. Father God, as we seek to follow you, as we seek to learn more, to grow, to be like Jesus, our Savior, we confess that it's your work in our life that's bearing fruit. I pray, Lord, today that if there are those here who don't know you as not just Jesus, a good guy or a philosopher or a different way, I pray that if there are those here today that are not born of you, that you would do work in their life. They don't have to impress me or impress this church or impress anybody else. I pray that you would take hold of their heart and you would wrench it and you would wrestle with it and you would have your way that they would know you as Messiah and Lord. I pray, Lord, that for all of us who are, who are following you and who know you and who believe that you're Messiah and, and, and know that your son came to die for us, that we would draw new confidence in our assured victory in Jesus. And Lord, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what this response time looks like today, Lord, but I pray that you would move. You would have your way with us. And that right now, in every heart and every mind here, we could worship the God who doesn't quit. The God who has bound us up, healed us, and told us to run. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would just do your work here in this time of response. We love you and thank you. It's our pleasure and honor to worship you and to pursue you and to grow to be like you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, the one who came to save us. Amen.